Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. It's Tracy back again for another fun-filled episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups with super producer Alex. How are you? Are you talking to me? Yeah, are we I'm on talking to you. Are we work. I'm sorry. I'm distracted because I'm looking at this. A <laughs> hundred things we didn't know last year. Did you know there are about three million shipwrecks laying on the ocean? Three million? What are you reading? Did um, you know that YouTube was originally meant to be an online dating site i want to get back to the shipwrecks uh i bet there's a lot of them yeah did you know that parents are worse you'd like this one parents are worse at telling if their child is lying than a complete stranger um probably yeah the more we get to know sometimes the closer we are to people the more that we don't uh see the truth okay yeah uh did you know the world's most dangerous school run Maybe in southwestern China, where children have to climb down an 800 meter cliff. You know, nothing it's that goes on. A in, mile. Nothing that goes on in China is very good, as far as like I've never heard any good news out of there. What is the oldest world title in sports? I think it's the marathon winner. That's an interesting because that would go all the way back to the Olympics, wouldn't it? But mm-hmm. um, like in Greece, but no, it's apparently it's a, it's for tennis and it dates back to 1740. Tennis? Who knew? Uh-huh. I thought it'd be some silly sport like soccer. Did you know fish can recognize human faces? Um, no. Okay. You got to stop reading that. Here's my question <laughs> to you. What crimes are going on in Florida today? <laughs> Did you know you could probably outrun a Tyrannosaurus Rex? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I want to try even. I don't want to get well, myself in that situation. I love this because, you know, the theme of, of today's show is because you're, you're who is it you're talking to today? It's, it's Libby. Libby. Right? Libby right. Henry. And she's talking about. Well, she had some uh, talk about a cautionary tale. It's Libby. Her husband uh, was doing mortgage fraud and left her with eleven dollars and thirty eight cents in her pocket. That was it. The things you'll never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and they had death, death threats. He got involved with something going really bad and uh, her, her and her children's life were threatened. I mean, she's, it, it just, it, it's still going. It's not even done. She, she hasn't even found the depth of it yet. But does, she didn't, she didn't know any of this was happening behind the scenes. Did she? None of it. Like all this was going on while they were married and mm-hmm. she had no idea. So that's what got me thinking about, you know, 100 things we didn't know yesterday sort of thing that we know today. Like air rage is more common on flights with a first class cabin. I don't believe that because mm-hmm. all the videos, there was just a Delta thing that came out this uh, the other day. I think I think all the fights are in uh, coach because I fly first a lot. I like first class. I find it very pleasing. And, uh. <laughs> and, and, and it, when you stuff that many people into a small spot and, and you have everything that's been going on the last couple of years, you get fights. That's just it. Huh. Okay. Do you know Albania awards diplomatic passports to its international football players? 
I don't even know what a diplomatic passport is. Yeah, it means you don't get searched or anything. Uh, basically, you can carry whatever you want in your oh. country. But uh, that was just the one that jumped out in front of me. That was a terrible, terrible example. <laughs> All right, so I got a better one. Things. So many every, things we don't know. Every winter, great white sharks swim for 30 to 40 days to congregate at a particular spot halfway between Mexico and Hawaii. No one knows why. What's well, a conference? That's what happens. <laughs> it's obviously what I know it is. why. It's no the shark friends. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um speaking of, are you in are you in Hawaii anytime soon? I wish I was. No. I know you're going to Houston. I am. I uh, uh Houston uh speaking down there, financial women in Texas. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you're gonna swing by Dallas. Is that on the way back or is that a Dallas? No, separate trip, yeah. Mm, who are you talking to, to in Dallas? Uh women in trucking. Is that a big conference or, or is it just in a small back room? Uh, like in the back of a 7-Eleven or something? No, <laughs> something it, no like it's like that. a big, it's a real legit conference. With real no, I'm just, women. I'm being sexist. I know there are actually quite a few women that are either operating, you know, large delivery trucks or, or semis. Um, and that's, well, that's yeah, it's not just coming. for operators, right? There's a whole bunch of behind the scenes stuff with logistics that has to go on. So yeah, that's yeah. Speaking of them, I've, I'm, I've been a little bit everywhere. It's nice. Things are kind of opening up. But today's guest is Libby Henry, correct? Libby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's yeah. in uh, Louisville. 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 That's what they say. It's, yeah, and I was just thinking that's probably not the name you want to use at like a conservative conference. Hi, I'm Libby. Just call me Lib. <laughs> she is so sweet and so nice. And she had so much trouble. And she's still, uh, like I said, it's still going on. So, so many things she'll never know. So many things we'll never know. Um, but we do know a little bit about Alex and your fun facts. We, that's the only thing we know, but Libby's going to fill us in on, on what she knows about the rest. I'm going to leave you with one more. And then I want to go hear what Libby has to say. Okay. Australia is moving seven centimeters North every year. They just want to be closer to the U S that's all I have to say about that. (laughs) And you know, we need to talk to Libby because she actually makes sense. (laughs) More so than me. Well, great. Let's get to Libby. All right. Libby, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm really thrilled that you're here. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Now, we got introduced by our mutual friend. I think it was Lisa Lawler, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. And she has the Secret Lives of White Collar Wives. That's her um, organization, I guess. Or maybe it's just called White Collar Wives. But however, everybody has something in common there. Yes. um, In that they've had trouble with their husband's committing fraud. So um, unfortunately, you are a charter member of the group. I mean, I guess, you know, fortunately, unfortunately, nobody wants to be the member of, but it's been a saving grace to have women that understand and can relate to you. Well, yeah. So let's, let's talk about that. So what, like, tell us a little bit about you. Like, um, uh, we, we can start any from anywhere, but I guess let's go with the main thread, which is you had some trouble with your husband. So, so let's, right. let's talk Little about trouble. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened? Okay. Well, um, I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. and I met my husband in college. We were married for a considerable amount of time, and we moved into a very nice neighborhood from another very nice neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And his behavior started changing. He got to the point he was pretty violent and I just didn't see 
the red flags that were in front of me. And in the end, he had committed mortgage fraud. And that brought me to my knees and my life imploded. Oh, man. Okay. So you gave us like the super short story. So let's, let's take it from the beginning. So, cause, cause you mentioned to me like the, like you, you kind of, you had it like pretty comfortable. It seems like. I um, did. I did. Yeah. I came from a money family from Indiana. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we met in college. And, and where'd you go to college? University of Kentucky. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. I barely barely graduated from college. I'm pretty dyslexic. So it's an accomplishment for me. Uh But I'm Ted and I, we married and we moved to Indianapolis and he started in the um, business of, well, it was the state department. He worked for the department of transportation Mm -hmm. and I worked for financial services. I worked as an administrative assistant at the time. Okay. And then he moved from there to Kentucky and got into the mortgage business. Okay. And he was doing really well. And he worked for um, two other people. And then he started working for another group. And then he um, started his own company. Okay. And we moved when he started doing better. And then his family, which is kind of a sidebar, they became the minority owners of a casino, Belterra Casino. That's in Switzerland County, which was just amazing. Now, is is that in Indiana? It is. It is in Indiana. Yeah. Okay. Cause, cause there's some gambling in Indiana. Cause I just, you know, I just spoke in um, French Lick not too long ago. And I think they, I think they have a casino there. Anyway. They do. Yeah. They yeah. do. August. Yeah. They do have a casino. Right. So his parents were in the hunt with some other people for that license. So life was good. Mm-hmm. I mean, financially it was good. Mm-hmm. And um, I had had, um, when we first moved to Louisville, unfortunately, I had to have a spinal fusion and two other back surgeries mm. now that knocked me out of work for a considerable amount of time. Mm-hmm. But because my ex-husband was doing well, I did not go back to work. So I was a stay home mother for 10 years. Wow. With a back problem. Yes. Yes. I okay. had um, degenerative disc disease and I just got it at a young age. Uh-huh. So unless you've really had those problems, it's kind of hard to relate to it. But when you do, it affects your entire life. Oh, back pain is horrible. Back pain. Yeah. Everyone can relate to that at one time or another. Yeah. I got in a car wreck. And, uh, so I know a little bit about that. Fortunately, I'm, uh, I'm on the good path, but, uh, oh my gosh, it is, it'll control your life. It will. It will. It sidelines you, sidelines you. And that's what happened to me. I was sidelined, Mm -hmm. but I did get better, but I stayed home, raised our daughter, I was involved in lots of activities. They just weren't paid activities. Mm-hmm. And my husband was running his mortgage company. Okay. And that was our life. Okay. And then like stuff started to happen. Cause you said he got angry. Yes. And, like, t- like what was, what, cause it's kind of like a, a, almost like, like you just sink down a slide a little bit and you don't really realize that you're like what you're in the middle of. So talk about that a little bit. Well, what was happening was, is that he would come home from work angry Mm -hmm. and I couldn't understand the anger and it was always work problems or something going at work on at work. And I would accept that Mm -hmm. because that was reasonable, but then it escalated and it escalated and it escalated Mm -hmm. and we would start to fight Mm -hmm. and he didn't want to deal with me. He simply shut me out Uh and 
that was very, very uncomfortable for me. It yeah. caused a lot of problems because I was really talking to my friends when I really should have been talking to a counselor at that uh-huh. time. Uh-huh. But I didn't know what to make of it. So then um, one day he comes home and I walk into a room and he has his hands up against the bathroom sink and his head is hung low and he is sweating. Uh-huh. And he looked like he was distressed and I'm asking what's wrong. And he turned to me and he was so concerned about one of his co I don't know if I want to call him a coworker, but he was doing business with this guy. Okay. And he was concerned that this guy might kill my daughter and myself. Oh, and imagine yikes. what that's like to hear those words. Yeah. And I couldn't understand that. Uh-huh. And I panicked. I mean, you just don't hear that in everyday conversation. You hear it in the movies. Yeah. yeah. And so I just, I didn't know what to think. And he was angry. And when I kept asking questions, I was met with resistance and I was to the point, call the police. You know, uh-huh. if you think somebody's going to harm us, call the police. Uh-huh. Well, then he backed away from it. I'm just popping off, but I didn't back away from it. Uh-huh. So I called his parents because they were my point of reference for everything. Okay. And I called them right or wrong. And I told them that I thought my ex-husband was consorting with people that might be the wrong people. Uh-huh. And they talked me off a ledge. They told me that they had talked to my ex-husband and he was spooked and he wasn't going to consort with this guy anymore. Uh And I accepted that. And that's a pretty vague explanation Uh because when somebody says they might kill you, Uh I mean, those words were very difficult to digest. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I said, though, I accepted that because his parents, they, I went to them for everything. And so did Ted. They just, I admired them so much. And I thought if Ted's parents tell me everything's okay, everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And I believed that, but it never really, I mean, I just basically decided to push that to the side and that that's a, that's a big red flag. Yeah. But I never heard from, um, I, Ted never talked to me about this particular guy again. Mm -hmm. However, this particular guy would come into our life because he ended up buying our home. Oh yes. Okay. Wait a minute. So we skipped some stuff. Okay. So, so like, so, so this guy, like he, like the situation kind of gets brushed under the rug. Yes. Right. Okay. So then what happens next? Like how, how did you get to, okay, he's buying the house now. Well, he had already, uh, Max's husband had already planned to sell him the house. And then that conversation ensued. Mm -hmm. And he tells me that everything's okay. He's not going to do business with them anymore, but he's buying our house. And he did. He bought our house and we moved out of that house. Okay. And I never, heard from that guy again. I never heard Max's husband talk about that guy again. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, you know what? It's one of those things where he just walked, he walked away from it and I didn't think about it again. Uh-huh. Okay. So you got a new house. We did. And did your husband, like, did he settle down or did he, uh, like, yeah, for a while. Okay. And then what happened? 
Well, what was happening was his behavior mm-hmm. was escalating. It was constantly again. escalating. Yeah. Again. Uh-huh. It was like a roller coaster. And, you know, I would question him and question him and question him. And he's like, you know, the same answer was always, Libby, it's work stress. It's work stress. Uh-huh. But I didn't want to let go of that. And I didn't. I kept uh-huh. on and I kept on and kept on. And finally, he leaves me three days before Christmas. He just picked before Christmas. What? Yes. Three days oh before gosh. Christmas. He did. He's a big loser. Okay. So, um, okay. So like, how, how did he get to, I'm leaving his, his behavior just wasn't like, he was just angry, angry and angry, angry. And I, he would, we could never resolve anything. It was always an argument. And then we went to our corners. That's exactly the way it always was. But I wanted to talk. He was unwilling to talk. I know why now, but I didn't know why then. Uh-huh. So like I said before, I was calling my friends, talking to them. Uh-huh. And, you know, you know, when you talk to your girlfriends about an argument you're having, you know, you, you, you talk to one another, but then you're, you're fine for a while. Things settle down. And then it erupts again. Mm-hmm. And that kept happening. Mm-hmm. So I finally, you know, asked my ex-husband, you know, is there something wrong at work? What is going on? I, it was always the same question. What is going on? Uh-huh. And I always got the same answer over and over and over again. So finally, he'd had enough of me. Uh-huh. And he left three days before Christmas. And uh-huh. at first, it was so devastating. Uh-huh. But while I was separated, it was peaceful because mm-hmm. nobody was yelling at me. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, I'm going to take a breath. And I did. Uh-huh. And we were separated for a while, a long while. And then he tells me that we are um, going to have to file bankruptcy, complete liquidation bankruptcy. Oh, and mind you, we had just moved into a home that was close to a million dollars. And that's that, that'll buy you a lot in Kentucky, like for sure. So well, at the okay. time. yeah. So then where you were living in the house and he was living somewhere else or yes. what's okay. Yes. And you he had how many kids? I have one daughter, one daughter. Okay. Um, okay. And so then he goes like, we're going to have to file bankruptcy. And you say, Oh crap. Yes. Yeah. I was stunned. I couldn't believe it. And I'm sure that had I been financially literate, and that's a point I want to make, I never had anything to do with our finances. I didn't really have an interest in that. I wasn't good at that. So that's what he did. Mm-hmm. And I raised our daughter and I would caution anybody out there never to make the mistake I did. Always know what your financial standing is. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I really did think we did very well. Mm-hmm. That's naive and there's no excuse for it, but that's just the truth. Wow. Okay. So it happens. It ha- actually, you know, that happened to a friend of mine almost the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's what I did the pilot episode of my uh, TV show on. So um, I'll show it to you when I can. Anyway, so <laughs> you, you will relate. Anyway, um, so the I, I, I'm trying to figure out like, it, do you, do you still, do you know what he was doing even now? Like, do you know the ins and outs of how this situation, like really what went on? 
I am learning that right now. I'm trying to unravel the past as I go. Um, Mm -hmm. I wrote a book, The People in My House, about all of this. Okay. And and it's also about my life growing up in an Uh extremely dysfunctional family. Okay. But while I was writing my book, I kind of wanted to know what happened to me. Yeah. Why did my life implode? It was like doing an archaeological dig on your own life. Mm -hmm. While doing that, I found out that my name was forged on deeds. And with people I've never met in my life, I couldn't pick them out of a lineup of two. Oh, uh, now. Okay, wait. So, (laughs) okay. So your husband's in mortgage. All of a sudden your name gets forged on deeds. So he must have. I mean, because there's ID theft that's like, you know, random and mysterious. But then there's like, wait a minute, this is it was it him. Oh, well, yes, it was him. But okay. let me clarify. Okay. I wrote my book years after all the fraud took place. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I did that was, well, two reasons. Um, my life was in turmoil. Yeah. And I would end up having to have seven more spine surgeries. Oh, so, <laughs> so all of that, mm-hmm. um, I always had the story in my head and I always thought I was going to write just about mortgage fraud and what happened to me and how my actions or how his actions impacted me. But it was more than that it was my whole life story. So I would meet a horse trainer, Mark Hubley, mm-hmm. he's an English major. I'm dyslexic, but I'm a storyteller, I guess. Uh-huh. And we got together and I wrote the stories. Don't laugh. I wrote it on my phone and on an iPad. Did you just dictate <laughs> it? Is that what you did? No, I, you know, I tried, but Siri didn't like my Southern accent. Oh. The words came out wrong. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I'm going to interrupt you because just side note, because that's what we do here. Um, I, cause I have a Southern accent too. Um, and I can, I, I can turn it on when I need to. Anyway, so the point is I have been paid to help train Siri uh, understand people <laughs> like us, Libby. And uh, to hear that it didn't work out is disappointing. Anyway, so <laughs> I wish I could show you what Siri thought I was saying uh-huh. when I was trying to dictate it. So because I was dyslexic and I didn't have a computer at the time, I found the pages app and I downloaded it. Uh-huh. Well, that worked for me. So I started writing the stories. And then I would send them to Mark. Uh-huh. Um, he lives in Midway, Kentucky, and I live in Louisville, Kentucky. Okay. 60 mile, 65 mile difference. Uh-huh. And he would edit the stories. Uh-huh. And I was there a lot too. But uh-huh. that's how we did it. And it took me four years, seven total with editing, because I've uh-huh. never done this before. And oh. here we are. Uh-huh. So going back to the deeds, what I was going to say is that when I was writing the book, um, all those years later, I get on Jefferson County land deeds and I see my name is forged with people I don't know. Uh-huh. And I couldn't believe it. So I called up the notary. That was my first call. Yeah. And she had no answer for me at first. She was kind of stunned when I called her, but she knew who I was. She knew who Max's husband was oh. because I'm sure I'm assuming in the mortgage business when fraud happens, everybody, you know, knows everybody and it's uh-huh. you know what well, was on the internet too so I'm sure they knew so when I asked her about how my name could have been forged and how she could have notarized my name she said that I had to be there and I let her talk and talk and talk 
knowing that I wasn't there and knowing that I couldn't have been there. And that wasn't the case because my name is Elizabeth, but my, my legal name, my nickname is Libby. Mm. And I recognized my ex-husband's signature. So I told her, I said, no, nobody impersonated me. And that is my ex-husband's signature. Oh, she, you know, that awkward silence. Uh-huh. So she didn't have an answer for that. So then she said she thought somebody must have stolen her seal. Well, I went down to the courthouse and I compared her signature to the deed book because the notary has to renew their commission. Okay. It matched. Uh-huh. There was no doubt. It's so her. she was in on it. Well, I don't know. I mean, I suspect that, uh-huh. but I, I don't. Well, it's a crime to notarize somebody's signature Yeah, if they're not present. And I was not present. I called her a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Uh-huh. And finally, she said she needed to get an attorney. And I told her to do that because I wanted my day in court after all these years. Uh-huh. And um, I'm still dealing with that today, even. Wow. Because what? Well, so, how, okay. So how much money did you have in the bank? Like how, I mean, cause you're declaring bankruptcy and you weren't in charge of the finances. Like wh- how did you live? Like, how did you just get, you know, go to the store and stuff like that? Well, I had $11 and 38 cents when my husband, and I do say this was done with me because that was what he intended to do. It seemed like he, uh-huh. he, he wasn't kind to me. Uh-huh. He, um, well, to answer your question, I had $11 and 38 cents. Um, I was living in the home, uh-huh. obviously had an attorney and I asked my attorney about alimony and he said, I don't think you'll get any alimony. And I couldn't understand that. I've been married close to 14 years and I was a stay at home mom. I hadn't uh-huh. been in the workforce in 10 years. And he said, well, you can't bleed a turnip. And I'm like, I'm not going to have any alimony uh-huh. for a home. And my car was taken. Oh, yes. That was my ex-husband hid my car from me and it was being repossessed. So that was super fun when all the creditors called me and the bank wanted that car back. Uh-huh. And they didn't believe me uh-huh. that the car was taken, but it was taken. Uh-huh. And um. I never knew what happened. I never saw the car again. I never knew what happened. Oh, so there was no money. And um, at that moment, I was getting money from my dad. Uh-huh. He was helping me at that point. But when the dust settled, I hate to say that because it never really settled. Um, Ted's parents bought a condo and I was allowed to live in it with my daughter for two years. Uh-huh. Well, that was never a great thing for me because my ex-husband could come and go when he pleased and did and went oh. my things. So it ne- I never felt like that I had freedom. And he wasn't very kind to me during that time and after that time because, and I say this at the beginning of my book, um, he would call me a co-conspirator. And he told me if he went down, he was taking me with him. And I would not know what that meant at the time. Uh-huh. So I called a friend who called an attorney and that attorney told me that I needed to go to the FBI, talk to them. I did. They told me in 10 minutes that I was guilty of trusting my husband and that was it. And that was true. 
Uh-huh. But I would never know why my ex-husband called me a co-conspirator. Uh-huh. It wouldn't be till all those years later when I get on Jefferson County land deeds and I mm-hmm. see that he forged my name. Uh-huh. He knew he'd forged my name. Right. I didn't. So it looks like I facilitated a crime. Oh. And I didn't. So that's what I'm fighting for today uh-huh. is to hold the people accountable that let that happen. Well, right. So just one day. Let's talk about these properties, though. Have you been to the properties? Like, Tim, what's the deal with those? <laughs> I did. And that was not a good idea. They're in a very distressed part of Louisville. Okay. So they're in the and hood. They, okay. Yeah, they are. And I drove by. Um, they look like shotgun style homes, if uh-huh. you're familiar with that. Sure. Windows that were knocked out. I didn't get out of the car. I needed to get home quickly. It was unsafe. Uh-huh. So... I knew that something was wrong here. Uh-huh. Now, flipping houses in a distressed area of town is fine if you're doing it, um, you know, legitimately. And uh-huh. my ex-husband and I did flip homes uh-huh. and I would go in and decorate them in nicer areas of town. Uh-huh. So I never thought anything about that. Right. A lot of people buy houses anywhere and they flip them. Sure, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and they there's neighborhoods that you know, gentrification goes on, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. But that wasn't the case with these homes. And these homes, um, according to the land deeds, what I saw, this is what I took note of, is when I looked up and I saw my name was forged, I look at one property and it says it's sold for $35,000. Well, then mm-hmm. it sells to me for $70,000 in the same day. How does a house like that in an area like that escalate in value in one day in one day well that's there was a pattern so Uh when i looked up the gentleman i don't apparently he's a 19 year old who i was buying a home with Uh i'd still to this day have never met him or laid eyes on him i looked up his name and he was buying and selling properties over and over and over in the same day and that that was the pattern sometimes Uh my house would be fifty thousand dollars Later that day, $80,000. So, so I I like, I'm trying to get my head around this because like, where, how is your husband losing all the money? Like trying to make money, but losing money. Was it, was there drugs and stuff involved or like, what do you think? There's been that type of speculation. People have asked me that before, but I have never found any evidence of that. I do think there was something else going on. I do know Ted was a gambler, a big gambler. Uh I don't know if that was a factor. I just know that one day I had moved into my home. Months later, we're renovating it. That took about six months. And all of this starts, this behavior change happens and he leaves me. And then the next thing you know, bankruptcy. I never got an explanation from me, from him. He never would tell me. I begged and I was his wife. He Uh would never tell me the truth. I did not know what happened to my wife. And to this day, day, you don't know, but but now wasn't there, didn't, didn't somebody come over and was like throwing a fit in y'all's driveway or something like that? Or, well, we had, when, when we left, um, we were in our home. Uh-huh. And when he walked outside, that's when he's yelling at me. Uh, oh, right. Okay. Saying, you know, if I go down, I'm taking you with me. You're a co-conspirator. That's what happened in our driveway. 
okay. in front of everybody because I lived on the main artery of the neighborhood and I was in my powder blue pajamas. Uh-huh. I didn't like to make a scene in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. You, can't, you know, this is your husband. And he's telling you you're a co-conspirator. And if he goes down, he's taking you with him. Uh-huh. But he was unwilling to ever tell me the truth. He, the only thing he did do is write a letter to me begging to stay together. And that letter said, I will tell you about my business dealings. I will, you know, do everything under the sun. But what he wouldn't tell me is if he committed fraud. Because once I realized he was under investigation, I would ask him and ask him and he would never admit it. He told me that he would be found innocent and he was innocent and he would be found innocent in a court of law. And he said it in such a way that it almost was like that law and order that uh-huh. done needed yeah, to yeah, yeah. It was really dramatic. And he wasn't found innocent. He, well, he pled guilty. There was no oh, charge. Okay. So, so another so, reason why I didn't know what happened. Right. Okay. So, so we got two things to talk about. One is when did you get a divorce? And two is how did, how did things unravel further for your husband? So talk about that stuff. Okay. I got a divorce, um, 2005. Okay. And he would be indicted in 2007, July of 2007. Okay. But he would not go to prison until 2009. That's a long time, you know, four years. Uh So and my life just kept unraveling and unraveling and unraveling Uh during that period of time. And I had no money and he was supposed to pay me child support in the, um, well, $300 a week. Uh-huh. Well, he had it reduced to $149 a month. So I had no money and that's, and I had $149 a month and my back was falling apart again. Oh, so that was a mess. And during that time I remarried and that's another big mistake on my part Really, so kind of from the fire. Yes. During that time, a friend introduced me to a friend of her husband's okay. and her. Okay. And um, he was so nice to me. And, you know, really it was like for the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. somebody had been nice to me and it felt yeah. good. I mean, my life was on fire. Yeah. And, you know, the more things that happened in my life, the easier it was to go over there to his house and talk. And mm-hmm. and he was going through a divorce and he was divorced pretty quick. And, um, you know, we got to know one another and well, what I thought was getting to know. Oh no. Yeah. But not, not, not really that he was a bad person or I was a bad person. We just didn't need to be getting married to anybody. Uh I was unhealed. I hadn't even had time to process what was happening to me. Uh I just jumped out of the, you know, frying pan into the fire Uh and he was a lifeline. So that's my fault for that. But what happened was, is that I get married a year and a half later and all of this stuff just comes bubbling to the surface. I don't have the child support. He uh-huh. had three kids of his own. Yeah. And he needed to support those children. So yeah. that happened. And then my back falls completely apart. So oh. then I am not able to work because I've gotten a part-time job, uh-huh. but I, I had a hard time working. I'd have to take time off and that would, you know, it would be intermittent. Just my back dictated that. Mm-hmm. So it was all of those factors. Plus the fact that my husband was, um, our ex-husband was being prosecuted. Uh-huh. So it just, it just didn't work out. It was never going to work out with anybody at that point. 
Uh-huh. Right. So that happened. And eventually I filed for divorce. My ex-husband goes to prison. And after that, um, gosh, my back, it was just constant with my back, trying to get help from my back. And I couldn't get any help because my doctor had left Louisville and nobody wanted really the liability. So I would oh. wait. It would take me almost till 2011 to get help. And I finally found a very benevolent doctor in Manhattan, a Dr. Fabian Baton. In New York? Yes. Oh. I wrote to him and I never thought I'd hear back from him. Uh I called his office, sent my records, and he did those surgeries for free, basically, because he said, whatever insurance pays, I'll take it. And I'm not going to charge a penny more. And no one did. And he did two surgeries within four days. Wow. And then he had a colleague. Um, in Louisville. And I never had never met this doctor, Dr. Mudge. Mm-hmm. And um, he kept in my ship after that. And I would end up having another five surgeries after that. Oh my God. I, you're I like a bionic, you're bionic woman kind of. Well, you know, I just keep, keep, keep going. You uh-huh. know, my dad always said, when you're going through hell, you know, keep going. Keep I think that's going. a Churchill saying, but my dad liked it. And uh-huh. that's really what I've been doing this whole time. Uh-huh. So, so, so is your ex, the first ex-husband, is he out of jail or is he still? Yes, he is. Got out. Have you talked to him? Um, I was talking to him when he got out, but things just went from bad to worse. He stopped um, paying the 149 completely. So there was no child support. Uh And then he caused problems over and over again. He always would tell his, tell our daughter that I was playing the back card and I should be making more money. Well, I wasn't playing the back card. Right. I was having spinal fusions. Yeah. Yeah. But it was always like that. Uh I mean, it didn't matter. I couldn't do anything right, but he, he did not help financially. Right. And that was so difficult. And he didn't like it that I lived too far away from him because he didn't like to drive that far. There was always those issues. Mm -hmm. So I kept in touch because of our daughter but when she turned 18, here's a man that had no money. All of a sudden presents our daughter with a brand new car. And I couldn't believe it. After all of this, he has a wow. brand new car. Yeah, he does. And then after that, um, you know, some years passed. And um, well, I'm writing the book. Yeah. The last conversation I ever had with him. Well, it was a text message. I just shouldn't say conversation. Uh-huh. And, um asking about the forgeries. And I said, who are these people that my name's forged with? Crickets, radio silence. He would never respond to me uh, about that. And then he told me that if I'd have kept my mouth shut, that I would have gotten more child support. And really he was punishing his daughter. Yeah. But but that was it. After everything he'd done to me, he'd done a lot. Uh He was pretty emotionally abusive. Yeah. So that was a whole nother issue. You need another show to talk. About right. That. Oh my gosh. Okay. So then, so you never found out what he did exactly. Not um, exactly. So that's why I started on my archeological dig because I never spoke to him again uh-huh. after that happened because for self-preservation yeah. reasons, I couldn't do it anymore. There was no productive. We didn't have a productive conversation. Mm-hmm. I was never going to get an answer. And he seemed to delight in my struggles. So uh-huh. I didn't know where to go with that anymore. Sometimes you just have to stop and get out of the ring. Uh-huh. So I did that. So uh-huh. to date, 
I've been trying to figure out what happened to my life. And some really nice people have come forward to help me. Uh-huh. Um, I had um, Monroe Chet, who wrote the addendum for my book and owned a title company, has been a great help, is helping me make sense of what happened. Okay. Also have recently met a girl that actually worked in one of the attorney's office. Uh-huh. Where some of this took place. And she's telling me, no, this is what I think happened. This is what I didn't think happened and trying to educate me. So I'm in that process right now, just trying to figure it out. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, now are you working right now or what's the status? Well, because of my back, I have been unable to have a full-time job. Uh So I, like I said, I wrote the book in between all the surgeries and I'm trying to get a part-time job as we speak because I love to have a purpose. And so I'm in, I'm in that process. Wow. Forever. Um, so then, um, uh, what, what would you have done different? Well, because of the emotional abuse, Mm -hmm. I would have gone to counseling earlier Mm -hmm. because I think a counselor would have guided me to say, you know what, if this doesn't change, you may have to leave the relationship, Mm -hmm. which I should have. And that's something that Mike's husband did admit to in his letter, how he treated me, but I didn't leave. Now, as far as red flags, um, that whole incident with the guy that I talked about saying that he might kill us. Yeah. I've never forgiven myself for not delving into that more. I just, I wanted to believe that, that, you know, he'd gotten, involved with somebody that may that well that person I didn't say this he did go to prison he was one of the co-conspirators okay yes I didn't say that so Mm -hmm. he was a nefarious person but so was my ex-husband yeah totally so see I didn't know that at the time right and I don't know how I could have ever known that Uh because when people when your husband walks in the door I don't know anybody that says hey honey did you commit fraud today at work yeah, no, I did not ask that. When I, my I, husband gets home. I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh-huh. So, but I think that I would have gone going to a counselor, not his parents. Mm-hmm. I might have been guided in a different way. Maybe they would have given me a different perspective. Uh-huh. Someone that's not invested, not a family member. But I didn't do that because you know it's my husband. I just mm-hmm. never thought. I, I was blindsided by fraud. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. But it was true. All of it was true. And when I look back, it makes sense. The behavior changes. Um, we did, we were able to do very nice things. We'd always look comfortably, yeah. but we were able to buy a nicer home. He loved cars, lots of cars, better cars. Mm-hmm. That's a red flag. It just wasn't a red flag to me that that's fraud. I just thought the business was doing well. Right. How, how would you like, I did think about that. Okay. So, so how's the white collar wives group helped you out? What's the, what's the benefit there? I mean, besides like you got friends, right. That have been through it, but like what else? Well, there's a lot of benefit to it. Um, when I started searching online, I didn't know anybody mm-hmm. that had had their husband go to prison for white collar crime. I couldn't relate to anyone. Mm-hmm. I was trying to, but if you haven't been through it, you don't know what to say to somebody. You know, it's that old saying, they don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. And they don't. 
So I was online um, one evening and I stumbled upon Lisa Lawler. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't believe that she had a Facebook group called the Secret Lives of White Collar Wives. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I couldn't get to her quick enough. Yeah. And it was it was me and three others. And you know, we started to talk online. It started on Sundays. We meet on Sundays every week. And we got really close because you really you trade these stories and you can relate to the shame. Being tried in the court of public opinion, Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times people have asked me, did you know, or they think you knew, or you're convicted and you don't even know what happened to your life. Mm -hmm. That happens. And they could understand that what it's like to go in a grocery store and have people look away from you. You Oh man. Uh I mean, that's difficult. And that has always followed me. It doesn't matter where I am. I'm always going to be that wife. But Lisa offered to me, basically at the time she was writing, um, she's really, she's written a book. Mm -hmm. She has a book out online, which any white collar wife should get on and get, because I would always say there was no textbook to my friends to help me navigate Mm -hmm. this sludge. But now there is, and Lisa wrote one. And I didn't have it at the time. But now these ladies who are on four different continents do. Lisa helped me with, um, well, understanding the legit, the legalities mm-hmm. of what happened. Um, I did not know any of that. She's a wealth of information in that aspect where I am not. I mean, she, you've spoken to her she oh, knows yeah. a lot and she's in the process of a, publishing another book mm-hmm. that she's going to be giving, I believe to lawyers. Yeah. She, yeah. It's for lawyers. Yeah. Yeah. She has helped me. I mean, you talk about talking someone off a ledge. She's talked me off a ledge many, many times. So that's been wonderful. And I can also talk to other women who contact me because I have had women reach out to me. I did an interview um, with Abby Ellen for the New York Times. Oh, yeah. Abby's awesome. I've had her on the podcast. She's really something. Yeah, she is. Mm -hmm. She is. And she herself has been duped and wrote a book. Yeah. Well, no. well, yeah, that's her book. And just for people who haven't, uh, her podcast episode is just a few, uh, in the list before years. And yeah, she had the, um, and this is real common, right? When military guys or people who want to be military, uh, just, you know, they can't tell you anything because all of a sudden it's classified. Right. So she right. had, she had that go on, which was really um, interesting because she was one of, I think three people he was engaged to or some I know, like, what a wild yeah. story. Yeah. Oh yeah. My Anybody uh, okay. So then, so then how, uh, how can people get a hold of you? How can they get your book? Okay. It is on Amazon. It's called the people in my house mm-hmm. and they can go also go to my um, website, the people in my house. Okay, cool. And, and all your contact information is on there. It is. It is. It's on there. Oh my gosh. Okay. So one final tip for people that are listening that may think they're in a situation that's going the wrong direction. Trust your gut. Yeah. Trust your gut. Yes. Because if something's not, it doesn't go right. Usually it's not right. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't believe I could have ever known that there was fraud going on, but a counselor might've been able to, like I said, guide me in a different direction. Maybe I would have asked more questions. Mm-hmm. But I do believe trust your gut. Wow. All right. All right. Well, Libby, thanks so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I think think your story is going to be able to help a lot of people. 
Well, I hope so, because that's why I wrote the book to help people that were vulnerable in the way I was, because I've never really forgiven myself. I felt like, you know, I, I was, I shouldn't have been so ignorant and I shouldn't have. That's the cautionary tale too. You asked me about a tip, know what is going on financially. And if you don't understand something, go outside of the marriage to understand it Mm -hmm. because I did not, I just, I I did not have that role. That was Max husband's role. Mm -hmm. But I think both parties need to know what is going on. Even if you're like me, maybe you know, you're the one that's taking care of your kids and that's your role and you don't have an interest, have an interest mm-hmm. because maybe something shows up, you know, on a bank statement, you never know. Yeah. Or, you know, obviously chapter seven bankruptcy, I could have seen things, but right. that's what happened to me. So I hope people can learn. I think they, I think there's going to be a lot of people checking some bank statements after listening to, <laughs> to, to your uh, story here. So thanks again for coming on the well, show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.